This podcast is aimed at the veteran community. It hopes to recreate a conversation taking place in any NAFI anywhere in the world right now. We want to combat social isolation by letting veterans feel part of this conversation. If you are easily offended, please switch off now. And if you want to see more, please subscribe to this channel and be part of the community. Hello everyone and welcome to Veterans in Crisis podcast. Uh, today we have Chris Collier. Uh, Chris is a local lad uh, who served in the Parachute Regiment. Alright Chris, how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you, you doing yourself? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, so, I don't know anything about you and I don't mean that in any disrespect. Uh, sort of Joe, who films it, was in contact with you. Um, I know you do stuff for the Bradley Lowry Foundation. And I also know that you do uh, Sunderland Lad, which is a alternative commentary, uh, commentary on the match, is that right? Yeah, it's a bit like that. Basically, it's just a, a, a means of me sort of broadcasting my sense of humour, but also my love for the football club. So do you um, do you do the talk, the voiceover? I don't do the voiceover, but I, I use um, my uh, iMac. Right. A bit of product placement there <laughs> to, to do it. So if, we, if there's any free <laughs> iMacs, please send them in, because we both want one. <laughs> So, so I mean, I when he told us about it, I, I had he- already heard that, you know, because it comes on their uh, Facebook and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we'll start off um, with your sort of childhood, growing up in Sunderland. Uh, if if there's ever anything you don't want to talk about, just see I'm not going to want to talk about it. It's just a conversation. Yeah, you know? that's fine. Just, that's fine. As long as you feel comfortable in whatever you say, mate. Yeah. So whereabouts did you live? Well, I was born and raised in. Well, I was raised in Roker. Oh, right. literally just down just down the road, and um, literally about two. St- Two streets away from Roker Park, and uh, that's where my love for the football club came out. Because oh. it was, um, if I wasn't at the game when I was uh, going there with my parents, and uh, I would, I'd be sat there on a Saturday afternoon. I could hear not just the noise of the crowd, but I could hear the like the stadium announcers, and you could hear everything. You, you knew what the score was, and you knew the outcome of the game if you weren't there. If you're just sitting in the garden listening to it, oh. and, uh, it, it, and it the roar was unbelievable. Absolutely, wasn't it? and and it was, you know, I said I was. On the other on the side of the full end, and you could just hear it, and it was just you couldn't not become a Sunderland fan um, just from listening to that. Mm. That was it. So, do, when, when how old were you when you went to start going to matching? Uh, well, I started going. Um, in fact, I can tell you the first game I ever got taken to was um, the Gillingham play playoff. Oh, fucking hell! That's well, the, no, the, G- <laughs> the Gillingham the relegation oh, playoff, yeah. uh, which was. Um, so uh, what was that? 97, 90, I was think. That? Eighty seven, I was I was seven years old. Um and um that was an eye opener because that was it was the old days pre Hillsborough where you could go into the ground um for the last twenty minutes when they opened the game yeah. and you allowed people in in there. Because my dad was a cheapskate, we'd go in there. Well, you've, you've heard you've heard most of it in the garden. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. What's the point of money? Exactly. We could go in there and watch the last twenty minutes of the game. And usually, you know, mo- most football games, the last twenty minutes when it heats up, anyway. So yeah. we went there, and and, and my, my love for it kind of took off from there. And I started going with sort of aunts and uncles used to go there as well. But it really t- hit off was, um, and I say it was I, I was always really I was an outside kind of interested in it. But it really hit off when um, my girlfriend at the time took me. Um, who was a, a, a huge Sunderland fan? So you got to see a mug there. No, 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 no. Huge Sunderland fan, and, and she says, "Let's go and see this game. It's a, it's a top of the league clash between Millwall and Sunderland. And this was '95, and uh, where we put six past uh, Millwall, and went on to promotion that year. And Mill, oh. Millwall then cascaded down the league and got relegated. And uh, so from do then you, on, do you take a, the blame for that then? Mm, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, from then on, it was an absolute love affair." 
and uh, to you know to to experience being in the in the full end watching that even if just for really for the last few few years of, the, of Roker Park, but then you know and then to follow the club for the last twenty two years what we've had at the stadium light it's just been brilliant Did even though it? even though it's it hasn't been the best of times recently. Uh, not recently. I mean, yeah. that we've had some great times though. Yeah. Did you always go in the full wheel end then, did you? M- most of the time. Most of the time. Occasionally Roker end, but then it just kind of bounced around. I was, uh. wasn't a season card holder um, when I was in my sort of teenage years. So I only became a season card holder really towards really the last few years. Now, when I started to settle down as I was getting transitioning to leaving mm. the army and I was kind of always up north in the Catrick area, I was going to... The, I was able to get a season card. Oh, I used to go. I uh, used to go in the Clockstone paddock. No, oh, yeah. I, used to, I loved it. Like it was great, great times. Uh, oh, brilliant! Really, really good times. So, being a child living in Roker, just what made you want to join the army? Have you got any relatives in the army? No, not at all. In fact, it was a said girlfriend I was talking about earlier. I'm not name names, but her, her, um, her brother was in the parachute regiment, and uh, she she worshipped the ground he walked on, and uh, and I could I could see that all the time, and. Uh, and I was, I was kind of taken aback with how how proud she was of him, and um, and then I as I got towards the end of school, I, I went to went to college and um, didn't do too well on my A levels, and uh, but I was looking at going to university. But that was when um, about ninety seven ninety eight was when they introduced tuition fees at university, and I was just I wasn't enthused about building up a mountain of debt mm. at this stage of my life. And and I just took had a rethink, and I just went, you know what? Why didn't I join the army? And the one thing I could think of was the the parachute regiment. So I went along, applied, and I remember I, I got my application form. I remember the desk sergeant in Sunderland, and he went put three three job choices on there, and I wrote the parachute regiment, and that was it. And uh, and he was and he was actually a household cavalry guy. And he went, are you sure you want to go parachute regiment? I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. And he went, okay, give me a minute. Went out the back and then about, but about 30 seconds later, some other guy walked in who was parachute regiment cap badge and went, right, young man, you want to join the paras? I was like, yeah. And he was like, good, you fit? Yeah, good. He went, do you, do you do drugs or anything? Like that? No, I never, never touched the stuff. Wouldn't, wouldn't dream of it. And he went, good, right, sign that. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that was it. And then, I, um, that, you know, that was in 99. And... Um, and went on and did basic training and just fell in love with it. Absolutely, I thought this is the, this is the job. This is the job for me. And right. I could, where I was initially skeptical and thinking, well, I'll do it for a few years and probably. But then I was like, nah. You know, within within a, within a few weeks of being in the army, I was like, this is this is a, a going to be a long time long term thing for me. Yeah. How did you find training? Um, I mean, just even going to training. Leaving. So how, how old were you when you joined? I joined at 19. 19. Yeah, so I mean... Had you had a job before? Yeah, I was, I was at JJB Sports. All right. Just down at Hilton Castle, down... Um, at the retail park. Yeah, at the retail park All there, right. yeah. So I was, I was, I started doing that part-time, but then when um, I kind of finished college, I started, went on full-time, and I was like, nah. Part of the thought process was like, no, nah, this isn't... You know, years down the line, I don't want to have my kids looking at me and thinking, what have you done with your life? Mm. I was like, no, I want to do something, and this is what I wanted to do. So, yeah, so when I joined, I was I was like, um, a little wet behind the ears, but you can imagine. Um, but what, what I was, I was always one of the fit, fitter amongst the, the, the lot, so I was always in the top five or six when we did the mile and a half runs and stuff like that, and that, um, 
you know, if you if you're if you're when you join an infantry and parachute regiment, if you're physically robust when you go there, then it's you, you've already already got a head start on a lot, a, you know, mm. um, a lot of the others. So that that really helped. Yeah. yeah, you're right, because I wasn't. Because I, <laughs> I joined the infantry and I didn't do any training before and I was only 16. Yeah. But, like, I mean, after the six weeks initial training, me, me fitness come right up, like. Mm. And then I ended up quite one of the fittest in the platoon, to be honest. I joined the boxing team, so I was training all the time. And Oh, that'll do it. And, and I'm, you know, I'll be honest with you, I joined the boxing team because I thought, that's a blag. Because if I was saying it on films and stuff, you get an easy ride. But what happened was I had to get up an hour before everybody else and then work an hour after work. So I did exactly all the same phase, but two more extra hours. Yeah, but it worked in the end, you know. I won my fight. That's all I was worried about. So, you per bright eye. No, when I I went to training, it was in Litchfield um, for a a period of time... uh, between the sort of, I think it was about 94 to like 2001, the parachute regiment phase one training was at um, the ATR Litchfield. And then it all, in 2001, it all became um, combined at Catrick, which which is where it still is now. Mm. So you'll, when, with you'll, you'll start and you'll finish your training at, at the infantry training centre at Catrick. I went there for uh, Christmas dinner last last Christmas. Really? Oh, they invited us down, me and a couple of the clients. We went and had Christmas dinner with the RSM and the... Uh, do you know Colonel what they, and stuff. they throw some great parties down there? And I actually, even though I've been out of the army sort of six, seven months now, I still keep close connections with them. And uh, you know, certainly on a social aspect, I'm I'm getting into. I mean, I'll talk about it later. I, I get into f- photography, and that's and keeping the links with that, and just go going along there, and just being in the in the sort of the mess environment is just. Uh, just I mean, uh, it, was, it was a good thing for. I mean, it was good for them to ask. Like, but when we went down, I took some clients down in there. It was good for them to feel that kind of Christmas dinner thing where the, the yeah. officers and that serve you again. And I mean, on, the only thing that was missing was a food fight. You know, that's what <laughs> we were expecting. But obviously, we were we were only guests, so we couldn't start it. But you know, it, it was really nice of them. Like we enjoyed it, enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, you you talk about um, when I mean, you've been a, been a veteran yourself. You when when you're in the job, you you're always thinking about. Oh, this this bit's rubbish. That bit's rubbish. You know, I, you know, I can't wait to not have to deal with that. But when you leave, you remember. You always think about the the, the good things. Mm. And one of the things I used to always like was kind of the traditional side of it, when you know, sitting down and having dinners. You know, even it doesn't have to be sort of as an officer level, but even mm. sort of, you know, getting getting together. At, you know, in the naffy or or for Christmas dinners and mm. just. Like the food fight and things uh, like that. Tra- there traditions. Are, there are traditions. Yeah, I yeah. and then getting served gunpowder on a, on a uh, on a morning when they used to come round with that noggy of tea with fucking brandy in. It's horrible, Absolutely horrible. And they used to say, "Sit yeah. up, drink," and you just walk up. Yeah, yeah. Probably pissed off the night before. You yeah. know what I mean? Always doing practical jokes like pushing the bed together before the CEO comes in and uh-huh. stuff like that. Uh-huh. So you like what? Or changing a you know a shaking vac, putting talc <laughs> in that so it doesn't fucking hoover up. So. <laughs> Put it on just before he comes, so it smells nice. They put it all out and it wouldn't hoover Absolutely. up. <laughs> it's class. See little things like that, little memories. It comes back, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, there's loads of shit in the army. What I didn't like, yeah. You know. If I think of a little anecdote, I was um, I was a corporal. This is I'm gone back to um, 2004, 2005, and it was just after the Christmas gunfire. We had the officer commander's inspection came round to the. Um, to to look at the lines before we went away on, on leave, and the platoon sergeant was away on a call, so I was standing in as a platoon sergeant that day, and, uh, and the officer commander came round and he <laughs> looking at all the bed blocks, it was all great, and then he went into the um, 
went into the ablutions and came out and came and says, Cottle Collie, come here. I says, what's up, sir? He says, um, he says firstly, ne- next time when the officer commander comes around, don't have a stack of pornographic magazines stacked next to the toilet. He says, however, he says, I appreciate the attention to detail. You had them all in alphabetical order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do it. I tell you what's funniest about that is you, ablutions. I've never heard that for a long time. Oh, yeah. Ablutions. <laughs> <laughs> I still tell, call them ablutions now with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> we have block jobs in here. We, we have block jobs. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't dare say they were fucking bored in here. <laughs> just saying, right, get that over up. Do that, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it fills the time up. Yeah. And, you know, I, I used to think it was like, to torture you for attention to detail and stuff like that, but it isn't. It's just being tidy. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you've got a lot of people living in one space and everyone's messy, it'll be a shit all really quickly. Yeah. You know, so tidying up, so we have a thing downstairs saying, if you use it, clean it. You know what I mean? It's simple. Yeah. And nobody has to do loads. You just do your own. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? This is, I'm trying to explain this to my kids. And, uh, you know, my fam- just just the family side of me, I've got three young kids and my daughter's 10 and my, my son's eight and my, my, younger, my oldest son is eight and my youngest is four. But my two eldest kids have, have basically, you know, I've been home in Civvy Street, so to speak, for like six months now. And I'm like, right, this isn't working where, when I, cause I'm off Tuesdays and Thursdays and I'm saying, and I take them to school, I'm saying, right, make sure you go and uh, put your uniform on make sure you go and put your clothes in the wash make sure you go and straighten your bed open your curtains I was like nah sod this so basically I've just printed off two checklists <laughs> and um, and basically put them on the doors and I says right go buy your checklist I says look everyone says that. I says look pilots have checklists go buy that and then and basically I've got a big red letters at the bottom saying you know you're going go to go to bed 10 minutes earlier for every item on the checklist hasn't done I tell you the last, two, last couple of weeks done yeah you know, people would think I'm being a bit rigid, nice. but it, but it, and it works. And it, do you know what? It saves me having to shout and yell at them on a the morning, oh. which is something which I don't want to do. Yeah. I've spent twenty years shouting and yelling, and I don't want to do that anymore. Nah, it, you know, it, you know it's, it, especially in the home environment, it's an ego shouting yeah. and yelling. You know, I am um, so I always. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm mentally, but I always get up in, or I used to always get up in the morning, my all the beds. Right, because I, I hate people who just leave the beds. Right, so I used to pull a sheet tight, fold it down, everyone's beds, and uh, my daughter was going to Derwent Hill, uh, you know, with the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyway, she had to know how to do her own bed, so I showed her how to do it. So the week before, I was like, right, you do your own bed. That's how you do it, because when you get there, you've got to make your own bed. Fucking good Max, she's never mattered since. So I said, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, you know how to do it. So I got in the room now, and there's just shit everywhere. There's makeup, there's our beds all scrunched and that. And I'm but now, basically, I open the door, fling wherever I'm taking, and shut the door. Like, it's, it's her room, she can do what she wants now. Like, I've had enough. Oh, my, I can't be doing with it. My pet hate at the moment is Lego. You know, you haven't stood on it, have you? Honestly, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you no. seen that? I've seen the internet meme where you see the shark with his head out the water. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you it later. But basically, it's just like that is me just standing on Lego, just the face I pull, and it's just oh, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I tell you what, mine is right, and I probably hear this. My partner and my daughter, right, leave shoes. On the stairs, right? But they don't leave them at the side of the stairs. They leave them on the middle of a stair, sideways, so you can't see them. So I'm always falling down the fucking stairs. Always. 
Right? And then they pissed off that I got mental, shouting and like, fucking hell, you know what I mean? That I'm training for a marathon, I don't want to break my leg. You know what I mean? And they're always black, so they're camouflaged, so you can't <laughs> see them on the carpet, you know? And they don't understand why why it's annoying, like. Uh, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, innocent in this. I'm always... I'm always. I wouldn't say I'm getting nagged by the wife because that's not not with her. But she, she's always picking me up for for things which I'll, I'll do. Like um, one thing she one thing she really hates that I always do is I'll always brush my teeth and leave it on like the windowsill instead of actually putting it away in the toothbrush push holder. And that really that yeah, really annoys me. That, that you know, pet hate. That's right? a pet hate. You know, and things like that. And that's, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I should actually. I have pet hates. I should understand what mm. my wife's pet hates are as yeah, well. Right. But and, I mean, that is pretty fucking. Uh, <laughs> It's pretty bad, that isn't it? <laughs> Leaving your tooth, toothbrush on the windowsill. Oh, Jesus honestly, Christ, you'd be in jail for that. <laughs> yeah, don't even talk about. Don't even talk about leaving the the bathroom window closed after I've had a shower. Oh no, no, man. See, yeah. I'm I'm starting to think now your ablutions they're in shit stuff, shit order, shit order. There's yeah. toothbrushes all over the place. Yeah. Fucking windowsill. The windowsill's in the kitchen. No, I mean, <laughs> I tell you what though, as a real, as a real sort of dull. One of the, you know, you you have all these, um, you have these um, thoughts about what you're going to spend your pension on when you leave the army. What, what are you going to spend on your lump sum? You're going to buy a holiday. You're going to get a car. Yeah, I've, I've pre-purchased a holiday for next year, and I bought a card, and not, not a very expensive car, but I bought one. But the best thing I bought actually was a Dyson cordless Hoover, Aye. and it's brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting around the house like like a man possessed. I wouldn't. That was like I was. I was like never doing it. And I honestly, I felt like I deserved a Victoria Cross Aye, for, do, for doing the, for doing the Hoover around. You the know, house. I was bring it around here. We haven't got a cordless one, but we have got a Dyson. <laughs> no, I mean, feel free. Uh, Come around. Don't leave your fucking toothbrush on the windowsill. It'll <laughs> piss Claire right off. Uh. <laughs> so, right. after you finished your training, where was your first posting? Um, I went to, um, when I finished my basic training, obviously, and then finished my phase two, we then went off to, at the time we used to go then straight down to Bryce Norton to do our jumps training. And I did my jumps training in 99, in October, November 99. And then straight after that, we then joined the uh, 3rd Battalion Parachute Regiment. And we had a literally about two days and then we were off over on Northern Ireland for a six month tour and uh, talk about hitting the ground running mm. you know you're going from being in the training environment to being um, you know out in an operational environment albeit you're still in Britain but it didn't feel like Britain when you're out on the ground no 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 of course not you know even this this was post the Oma bomb where terrorism wasn't a really wasn't wasn't really in fashion at that stage um, when I got out there it was still it was you could still, especially being the cap badge that we wore. Oh, you're not the, you know, you're not the we most favourite people out there, are you? Northern Ireland, you know, and that really hit home. Actually, on my second tour out there was um, I went out there in we're in Orma, actually. Oh, well, uh, we, I was. That's where I was posted. We went there in um, in 2002. We were out there, uh, great little barracks, and um, just up from the town. Yeah, just up the town. And uh, but we were out there in January to sort of June 2002. And um, which was actually the like the thirtieth anniversary of Bloody Sunday, and I tell you what, just being out, just driving through the town with with this cap badge on, when you know on the anniversary of that was not a, not a good place to be, you know. And um, but yeah, but my first six months of battalion were were on tour, but I mean that was great because we got um, we didn't 
we didn't feel like we got any extra money, although we did get you get a bit of an yeah. old, old bonus out there. But it, you know, you hardly spent any money out, um, so we're able to sort of go on holidays when we got back. Yeah, that's, and, um, that's the best thing about it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you save you save a bit, but I mean, but the thing for me was um, I went from you know sort of one year being like being a student to the next year being you know a, a trained paratrooper on on the streets in Northern Ireland, but then I was also away from my family for six months, and that was my first Christmas I've ever been away from home, and. Uh, and that was quite of a quite a, quite a culture. I wouldn't say I was homesick, but it was more of a culture shock to be like to be to be sat up on a on a green sticky mattress on on Christmas morning, op- <laughs> opening a shoebox which you'd been sent a few weeks before, you know, with with like just chocolate which had all melted and re- and then reset about ten times, and just thinking, you know, wow, this is the army. My my Christmas mornings when I was in the army, I was always on guard. So the fucking sticky mattress was a sticky of somebody else you who know, just oh, got out. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you had to get in that. Yeah. So I and I, I, know I feel your pain, like. But I mean that that was. I mean we were on we were on guard duty the the night when we went into the night of New Year ninety nine to the millennium, and uh, and uh, we were expecting a quiet night because fireworks were banned in Northern Ireland, so there was going to be no fireworks going off. Yeah. Like hell, mm. it was like it was like the Passchendaele that night. It was like just everywhere, and they were they're all aimed towards the camp as well. But I mean, you know, looking back, that was it was a great tour, and it was it was great to be, you know, just doing things like going on foot patrol for like twelve hours, and then getting in the middle of like the country and getting picked up picked up by a Lynx helicopter or, a, or the old Wessex helicopters which had picked us up, you know, or. Or then just basically going on a helicopter patrol where you'd you'd fly eagle patrol eagle eagle VCPs where you'd fly around and you'd be like right that's a car yeah basically land by the on the road or or on a or on a field next to it get out and just basically stop some guy (laughs) and just 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 hassle him give him a hard time fucking brilliant yeah then get back in the helicopter and (laughs) fly away right brilliant was that was that eagle patrol there's a memory come straight back was the best things we did. Best thing, yeah, yeah. you would fly along really low. We'll have that one now. Fly yeah. it, and then everyone would just jump out yeah. in the bushes. You imagine if we, you were just driving around here and loads of soldiers jumping out in the bushes. Well, just talking crazy, unreal. isn't it? Did you did you ever do the dolphin VCPs as well? Basically, they, they were they were the Marines versions. We, right. The um, off where you've got lock foil, lock foil or lock nay. Lock nay is the main the main one. Lock foils up by Londonderry. You've got rivers running off lock nay, and uh, the Marines would. Um, would uh, run, uh, would uh, have patrols going up the boat up, up the river from there, and you'd be on a boat, and like likewise, you get to a bridge, get out, stop some vehicles, get back in, and then go back on the boat. Right. And I was like, this is just brilliant, you know. Oh, it's and that, action man stuff, right? Isn't exactly, it? you know. And I, and I remember being out there thinking, wow, I'm doing this. And a year ago, I was studying glaciation in in studying what glaciation in Bede College. What the fuck's that? Exactly. <laughs> Geography A level. All oh, right. In, glaciation. Um, glaciation. Yeah, yeah. So it's the study of glaciers. Also. Study of glaciers and, and how hills and valleys and that were formed. I tell you what, I didn't think I'd learn something tonight. Like, but glaciation. Not from next paratrooper. No, fucking glaciation. <laughs> fast. I tell you what. This has just jumped in my head. Fast forward. Right, this is because I made 2007. I made the um, I made or 2006. I made the decision. I was with the rank of corporal, and I was like, right, I'm going to go to Sandhurst. I want to I want to become an officer. I don't want to go any higher, you know, in the, without you know in the ranks. I want to become an officer because I can see Afghans kicking off. Yeah. I want to be leading men from the front. So I went and do um, 
the I ended up doing the best course in the army. I still think today it's the best course out there. It's called the Pods course, the Potential Officer Development course, which basically it's a three month course where they'll take people in the ranks from anywhere from the rank of private up to sort of sergeant, and they what they do is they they'll they'll better you when it comes to your sort of written work and your and uh, your, your maths and your uh, and 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 also your it just gives you more cultural awareness uh, and trying to makes you more of a broader individual. So we, when you go to Sandhurst, you're not sort of out your depths mm. so much. And, you know, you end up going to the theatre and things like that. And you, you, honestly, it's... Start on glaciation. They were like, <laughs> but, but they were like, but this is it. They, were, they went, when, like, when they said, um, have you... Have, when I asked, I says, have you ever been to the theatre before? I went, well, I went to see Aladdin at the, the at Empire. The Empire. When I, was, <laughs> I was like... But talking about glaciation, we, we one of the things we did was a lot of hill walking, which I already started liking by then, and I love it now. I, I do it in my in my spare time. But um, as well as doing hill walking with the with the group, we had a, a lot of we were, we were kind of run, our course was running parallel with the ETS officers course, their phase three course, and um, we were in little syndicates, and everyone had to do a speaking role on something while we were out on the ground, just so they could get used to sort of talking while they're tired and, and, you know, they've got to try and think about what they're saying, they've got to rehearse something. You know, someone had to talk about Welsh devolution. And I got basically got told, they went, oh, this would be good. Let's get the ex-paratrooper. You can talk about glaciation. Nay, you And I was just like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just didn't tell them that I had a geography <laughs> level. They just thought I was some, like, thick full screw. They were like... All right, so so there. I just basically give them, give, them, give them like a twenty-minute chicken knee, for you know notepads out. Here we go. Twenty minutes time. I was talking about the corries and the and the, and the, the the way scree was formed and how the U-shaped valleys were formed and and the, the like the, how you got like um, the moraine lines and terminal moraines and using all this technique. They were like. Wow, you've done a lot of study, and I was thinking, actually, I didn't read anything. I just remembered. From, just remembered, I just eh? Dug it up from when I was at college, like twelve years ago. Or that's whatever it was. that's good. That lad that yeah, picked yeah. that one. Yeah, you know, I know. But the thing is, I say it always fascinated me. I mean, the science thing always fascinated me. My daughter really is really scientific, and and you know, and she'll come out on the on, on the hills with me, and she'll will talk about bored stuff, which is like glaciation and that. But but <laughs> do it's you do a lot like, of hill water, like? Yeah, I do a lot. And if I was speaking to Joe in, in, um, the other week about it, and uh, what it is is um, since I left the army, I've, uh, I went straight in feet first into five days a week, full uh, full time, and <clears throat> but it, that was also involving like a ten day com- uh, a ten ten hours a week of commuting, you know, because it's like a basically an hour there, an hour back each day. To where? To the Bradley Larry Foundation, right. which is where I drive to each day. Um, and I was just like, whoa, this is just, you know, it's too much. I'm not seeing any of my kids. And so I, I says, look, I, I want to go part-time. So I, I, I throttled back to sort of 20 hours a week and then started basically just Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. So I, I keep Tuesdays and Thursdays as my time, which I feel that like I've earned mm-hmm. after doing 20 Go years shove. in the army. Go shove. You know, I'm trying to explain that to my wife, so different that's different you know just put your fucking toothbrush away should be exactly but um so what I, what i've just started doing like this is my little sort of mini sort of new year's resolution that says i'm going to try and give myself a mountain a week right. you know and basically and so just drive out into the hills walk up a walk up a mountain drink a brew walk back down job done i'll feel a bit stiff the next day but I, but the the benefits on a sort of 
I would even say the mental health mm. aspect are great. Oh, just it's, me it's getting great. out and see, just in on, with the fresh air, you know, and it's just absolutely wonderful. And um, you know, there was there was after twenty years in the army, I was thinking while I was going up the hill yesterday, actually, I was like, the you know the two main things I really missed from the army was basically, you know, firearms. <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't miss firearms? Exactly, you know what I mean? firearms and getting up hills. You know, I don't have that much access to weapons these days. I have Nerf guns with my kids, yeah. which isn't doesn't anywhere near cut mustard, but I can still get out on mountains. Mm. And, um, and and do you know what? It's just just the last couple of weeks of me doing that, just just down on tools. You know, um, not answering any phone calls or WhatsApp messages. Or well, look, you, look, you kind of get a signal, can you, when you when you're out there? No, no. If you look, well, well, if, no, you look exactly. if you look, it's great. You know, and then the last two, the last couple of times, I haven't been able to get a signal. And um, I mean, I still use my phone because I, I use that to navigate because I've got all the map, maps downloaded on there. But it's just getting out on the ground and just being out in the mountains is just honestly, it's like the best medicine you could ever mm. you could ever have. Because I mean, it's that is my comfort zone. Everyone has their own particular comfort zone, but that is mine. And we uh, do we do stuff here like we have a walking club called Ramblers Anonymous. Yeah, we have a running club. We do circuit training, all kind of things to keep people busy, mm. and and obviously fitness. It's the camaraderie as well as the feeling good about yourself. You know, after yeah. you've done it, so I, I totally understand. But if you're off on a Tuesday, you should come to the Gunners Club. If you're not going up a mountain, because we have like. Um, in the Gunners Club in town, mm-hmm. in Mary Street, we have a coffee morning every Tuesday, 10 till 1. Okay. Uh, we get up to about 50 veterans there. We have just free teas and coffees, free Greg's food, uh, and people <laughs> would just sit around chatting. And, and You and had I, me on free Greg's food <laughs> over there. <laughs> I normally, normally have, maybe I have somebody to come in and talk about mental health or pensions or benefits or doctors come in or a- anything. So we had... You know, what, I'll take you up on that offer because right. yeah, I, I will do. Because I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that every Tuesday I'm going to be climbing no, no. mountains, but it's basically trying once a week. So I've got my Tuesday and my Thursday. You know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really good thing, <coughs> and nobody knew each other before they went, mm-hmm. and now best of mates. Yeah, you know, and it's made it's made friendships that last forever, and it's, it's a great thing to watch. Like mm. it's great, and it, I sit sort of here, and the, and the doors there, and it's glass, and new people. Fucking pull the door and then they walk away and then you know because like the new kid at school yeah but they'll come in and they'll sit at one end and by the week later they're right in with a crack you know what I mean it's, it's probably good to watch like it is because I don't know about you but the majority of people last week the, the thing that they miss about the forces is the camaraderie the the crack you know the, the jokes the dark humour yeah. that sort of stuff not many people miss the marching around and the you know all that sort of shit but they do miss the the, the good times. And when you're with different forces, there's all that, like, fucking Navy sitting over there and the RAF bloke by cell, you know what I mean, and things like that with a waiter next to him. You know what I mean? It's good crack, like. It is proper good crack, like. And you get free Greg's food. No, I'd, say, I'd, I'd love to come along to that. Right, come you know, on, on choose right, that. And right we're saying, you, it's good, it'd be good to get to, together with people who, you know, you can have a bit of, you can share that humour with people mm-hmm. and uh, and people get it. Yeah, you know, because uh, there's the times when you know I've I've opened. <laughs> this is one of the things I've learned being in Civic Street. You can say something and you actually you think it's quite funny, and someone look at you and go, "Fucking welcome to my what? world." Yeah, you're like, "What are you talking about?" Oh, you know? This happens to me daily, <laughs> daily. I'll be in meetings in the council and all sorts, and I say something which I think is just normal, and everyone just sits there like that. 
you haven't just said it. You have said that out loud. <laughs> That's not the same as. <laughs> but I thought it was funny. I'm not offending anybody, you know what I mean? That's just normal crack, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And as you know, I'm, nobody's ever racist, nobody ever harms anybody when when they're in there. It's just banter between people. Yeah. And it's, it's, why can you not be like that? No. So definitely come along. Definitely yeah, come along. And, and uh, I don't know if we've got any speakers this Tuesday. I'd have to check the diary, but uh, it's, mm. it's worth coming along, man. Yeah. Even if you come along for an hour, you know, you might like it that much, you might come every Tuesday. Yeah. You never know, mate. You never know. No, I'd like to. Tack some of them on the hills. I'll come out with you. Hey, I'll, I would. I'll come yeah. out with you. All right. Definitely. You know, and that's the thing I'd like, you know, like to do is just to, you know, <clears throat> there's, if I could take, you know, I, I know this from taking people hill walking while I was in the army or even taking people skiing and stuff like that. You know, the, the for me, I always think it's you've achieved your aim. If, if one person says, Oh, I enjoyed that. I didn't think I was going to. <laughs> You've achieved your aim. Yeah, yeah. I really think because you know it's. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was trying to explain this to my to my eight year old son the other day. He was like, "Dad, why 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 would you want to go on a mountain? That's just rubbish." You know, I'd rather I'd just rather just stay at home and play PlayStation or something. <laughs> my daughter says, "Oh, I couldn't you know? be asked." <laughs> and I and I just I, but I just looked at him and I went, "Son, when you're forty years old, you you'll appreciate it." And I guarantee you, you will ask that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to what you said there, because mm-hmm. I guarantee, you know, we'll put be out. You'll, I guarantee you'll be getting grief for your fucking tooth being brushed. Yeah. <laughs> <Still>, <laughs> you'll want to get still, out. You'll want to exa- get out. Exactly. You know what I mean? I think we all want to get out. We all want to get out. Exactly. So uh, after Ireland, where we posted them. Um, so going back to going back to then, I say it was in um, June two thousand. So we, I. Um, I then became a, we I joined the assault engineer platoon in three para, and uh, I spent what was it, about four, four really good years there, absolutely brilliant years, and uh, we went on um, overseas exercises to Denmark, which we normally wouldn't think was 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 a good place, but but also with that we went. Um, I say we, <clears throat> I was in that platoon when we went back to Northern Ireland in two thousand two. Uh, but I was also an assault engineer when we deployed on Telic One and went over to um, Kuwait and then eventually Iraq in two thousand three, and um, you know and that was um, again such a I'd only been in the army four years by that but but then but going going to what was into the unknown was um, you know a, not only a culture shock but but actually quite intimidating even though I was I was getting on a bit I was twenty three. But still, it's just like you, when you don't know how long you're going to be deployed for, what exactly you're going to be doing, what the enemy are going to be doing um, to you, you know, f- when you're out there. It's, it was just, it was one of them moments when you have a difficult conversation with your parents. And I still lived it, I still technically lived at home because I was living in the block, but I was going back on weekends mm-hmm. to get my mother to do my laundry and stuff mm-hmm. like that as as, as people a, do. any young private soldier yeah. on court will, will understand but I remember having a conversation before we before I went off to Iraq in in 2003 and um, you, you know just sit, talking about like have I written a will and what would happen to I mean I didn't have much um, but what would happen to my stuff if if, if I didn't come back and um, you know and and, but actually, I did actually have had a quite, probably one of the most grown up conversations to date I've had with my parents when I was just like, and I said to them, I went, I'm looking forward to going out there. <clears throat> I really am because for the last four years, it feels like we've, we've been training 
and for not for nothing. But now it feels like we're actually going out to do something, albeit there's a there's a lot of controversy with this with this with this war, and um, but this is something we train we train to do. And I says, look, I says, if if I do if I don't come back, then don't use me as a political tool. Don't don't just come don't just start having to go at Tony Blair on my behalf because I don't want you to do that. Mm. You know, um, I've chosen to join the army. And I could have left by now, but I'm choosing to go out there and and what I think is the is is the right thing, you know. In hindsight, it was complete bollocks. Mm. We shouldn't have gone there in the first place. No, no, that is a thing. But you're <laughs> you know, right. When but you, it's, um, you do all this training, but yeah, and you want to do stuff. You you join and you expect them. You're not going to be happy to do what ask you all the time. Yeah. But that's what you that's what you sign up for. Exactly. You sign up. It doesn't matter who's in who's in power. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, if they tell you you've got to do that, you've got to do it. Which, yeah, yeah. You, which to a civilian, sounds bizarre. Yeah. But you've got to be a certain type of person to join the military anyway. You know. Yeah. And I think you, people don't realise that in your mind you sign up to. All right, I'll do whatever anybody says. Mm-hmm. You know. Which is now I'm older, and I'm sort of like, I think war is pretty stupid. You know. I understand things have to happen, but young men, normally from working class backgrounds, getting their legs blew off for no reason. Yeah. Coming back here and. Getting no help. Yeah, I think it's fucking shit. And that, that's a that's a good thing though. A good thing you say because you mean I I always think now if if I had the mentality I have now, seeing what I see now and experience what I see, would I would I go into that careers office and and start a military career again? Um, I don't know. Mm. Honestly, honestly, I I don't know. Um, the 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 appeal. Everyone has their own sort of. Uh, drivers for going and things and that and it's it's honestly it's it's uh i honestly don't know whether whether i whether i could do it mm. you know um, um, I, I think it's made as the person i am and it, and it gives us a good ground and, and it, it's got like i've got certain like qualities now because of the army yeah but because of the work i do now and the way i see people have been treated when they've left the army i just say the army because i was in the army but all forces yeah <clears throat> It's not on, like, you know, it really isn't. People have been left, you know, people have been left with their legs and, like, not even not even helped into getting, like, basic things. I mean, the majority of people who leave don't even know how to get a doctor. No. Now, civvies, it's fucking easy. But if you don't know, you don't know. So I always have to, when, when someone's left, I always have to help them do simple things, like register with a council, get a doctor, get a dentist, get the opticians, all them things... It was laid on for you, wasn't it? We need to have a chat offline because I still haven't registered with a doctor or a <laughs> dentist. A... My med docs are still in my glove box in my car. No, you need, you need to fucking register, man. We're, we're, uh, in yeah. fact, we'll talk about it after. Yeah, yeah. I'll get you registered. I've got, um, actually, we uh, we just won an award because uh, we're the only place in the in the country that's got a armed forces champion in every GP surgery. Really? Yeah. Brilliant. So we've got that and then they can contact us. Any yeah. problems with any veteran that come in, they can contact us one phone call and that's it. Yeah. With any problem, so... I will chat later. I yeah, don't know yeah. what to do about the toothbrush like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see I won't need a dentist if I brush my teeth. That's 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 it. <laughs> so you were at uh, Talik 1. Yeah. Um, scary? It, it it was. It You know, going out there and, in you know, and <laughs> I laugh because I remember when, when it War was officially declared, and we were going in, and we were starting across the border, and it was we were about twenty four to twenty twenty two to twenty four hours behind Americans, and they started launching um, 
what we were told over the radio, they were starting to launch Scud attacks around the QA area. And um, we got told to sort of mask up. And, you know, the, the alarms, the, the, the old NBC or CBRN alarms are called, the, you'd hear them going off. And then you'd have to put your mask on. And you're nine thinking, seconds. Oh, nine <laughs> seconds, you know, get down and and then have to go through the sort of the two-man sniff chest and mask and drill and stuff like that. Dot, dot, dub. What oh was it? yeah, the old block, block bang, block bang rub. Doing all that, <laughs> and then just like fuck God. But then do that, and then it was like again, like half an hour later, he would go again, and then we counted in the first twenty-four hours of this of the the war inverted commas. We we masked up eighteen times. By the end of it, we were just going. <laughs> I'd rather we were just going. F- <laughs> you know, I, I'd you know? rather just get gassed because yeah, yeah. uh-huh. yeah, yeah. it's the right carry on. All oh, this, them- basically, we just just started like sleeping like by by the vehicle. We weren't like sleep in the vehicle, but sleeping by the vehicle. We're kind of your respirator, kind of perched on the top of your head, and if the alarm goes off, you just kind of slide it down again. Stay awake for a few seconds because you can't. You couldn't sleep in it because you felt like you were oh, getting yeah. suffocated when you were wearing it and then taking it off. But it's um. <clears throat> But I mean, that was that was the, the sort of the scary part of it initially. But then you, you, we 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 got off, you know, we got over the radio, we and um, and you could hear you could hear from the communications. We all had like world service on. We knew the the Iraqis were getting pushed back pretty quick, and it wasn't going to be a very long fight. And then before we would um, sort of all settle down in sort of our little areas of responsibility, and me with B Company Three Para, we pushed off towards an area called. Um, uh, Al Mashara, which was off towards Alamara, to the east of Alamara, uh, north of Basra, about it was about five or six miles from the Iranian border, <clears throat> and that was kind of our area of responsibility, and <clears throat> that was that was actually the best part of the whole conflict. We were out there uh, as three power because um, we had this town to be responsible of of about fifteen thousand inhabitants which had just been left deserted by the Iraqi army as they fled. And um, so being there and actually, um, I mean, I was going out with some of the officers at the time on the ground and uh, and help them re-establish the police force, which had all fled because they all thought they were going to get taken out by the Americans, you know, and help them get the schools back on uh, online and things like that. It was, it was actually good to see and watch, just watching the power come up, coming back in. And it was just, it was good to see the the heart and minds aspect of it really take over straight away after the end of the, the sort of the conflict. <clears throat> but what we could really see was we felt like it was a bit of a honeymoon period, like what you had when the British Army first went out to Northern Ireland in the in the late 60s. You know, everyone was very happy to see us. It was very um, sort of grip and grin and handshakes and, you know, you know, favors for favors and stuff like that hand and you know we, we give them water they give us sort of like intelligence on what's going on and stuff like that and it was just it was all very cooperative but you could see that there was a net like you could see the atmospherics you could see it was kind of taking a, a turn because people just started um we started getting on the month of the weekly meetings we we're having with the locals it was getting a bit more heated, like, why hasn't the electricity come back on? Why is this not happening? You know, why are we not getting any food? Why are my kids get, going hungry? And then they started pointing the finger of blame at us. And that was when 3Para got pulled out. We came towards the end of the tour. We, it was, this was June, um, uh, end of May, June 2003, we got pulled away. And, um, and I remember getting on a plane 
leaving leaving there pretty much one of the last people to leave from the battalion and I'm thinking it's going to kick off there pretty quick you know something's going to switch and some and then it's just going to go it's just going to become an absolute war zone again it really is you could see it it was teetering on it and our wheels had barely touched the ground in Bryce Norton when um, there was uh, the RMP incident where yeah. the six RMPs were were, ki- were killed because they were like surrounded because that had pretty much gone to boiling point with the the um, the issues over there and and all of a sudden it just then just became a war zone again and it went on for several years yeah. and. Uh, <clears throat> Much to the like my my mother, she was happy I was out of the country. <laughs> but, really? but you could see you could you could see you could definitely see it was happening. And um uh and that was the last time I was in Iraq. You know, I was um I was uh I was quite I was quite I wouldn't say lucky, but because of the jobs I was doing afterwards, I went I went to do training jobs and whatnot. I was I was always happened to be um, just by luck of the draw, I was suffering a training establishment or something when when another deployment went went off. In fact, my next deployment after that was after I commissioned on to Afghanistan in two thousand eight. And how was that? Because obviously then strange. you now I was going to say then you commissioned, <clears throat> aren't you? So it's a different yeah. Because I mean, just a quick quick on the commissioning process. I mean, I uh, I got to the rank of corporal and then went to I decided I want to go to Sandhurst and um, Sandhurst was. Strange going through as a, as a corporal, going through as a as a, someone who'd been in the army for eight years, because you were in the same platoon and with people who had just joined the army, complete military virgins. Um, so they they initially sort of depended on you to sort of help them with various things, whether it be you know you know how to put camp cream on them, yeah. or how or even how to march up and down the, up and down a square. But then, very quickly, you could see. You know, because there's some very clever people there. How quickly they would come up to your level and then beyond you, and uh, and it was it was me. It was a joy just to see that, just to see um, how how intelligent some of the people are that join as officers. Much as much as officers always get a bad rep, mm. you know. Um, but some of the most some of the brightest minds I've ever met in my life, in my forty years of, of being the guys I've met at Sanders, and I still keep contact with them today because they're good friends. And um, it's weird that because some of the officers I've had have been the thickest shit. Oh, thing is, <laughs> that, but that's it. You, you, I mean, there are some when I think, what the hell? How how are you even here? And here? But and then you'll you'll see some people who are extremely intelligent, but they always lack common sense, mm. you know. So, but um, you know, I was blessed with certainly the ones in my intake. I thought were were some of the you know the smartest people I've I've ever met. And sadly, a couple of them aren't here anymore. Um, but it was just, um, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience. If I could go go back to one part of my career, go go through Sanders again, oh, yeah. because um, just as you go about talking about earlier about the banter and the camaraderie, and it, it was really good there, in you know, and there was everyone was on the same level. Whether you would whether you had a double first at Cambridge or whether you had just scraped two E's from B College at Sunderland. Mm. Um, not not ecstasy not, tablets. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, grade E. So <laughs> All right, just put that for the record. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just scraped that. You know, you, you were all on the same on the same playing field, and it was just, it was just a fantastic place to be. And you know, and uh, and unlike other training establishments they have in the army, you could actually have a drink at night. And, yeah. you, know, it was, you, could, you could you could relax on a night and have a couple of gin and tonics or a couple of couple of beers, and then 
You turn coffee. right in an officer there, and you a couple of G&Ts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I started drinking wine at Sanders. <laughs> so, well, honestly, I can't speak enough about Sanders. But right. um, but I say after that, it was <clears throat> at the end of Sanders. Oh, whilst I was at Sanders, the, um, the 2nd Battalion Parachute Regiment, which I'd been um, uh, lucky enough to to pass selection to to join whilst I was at Sanders. And I say that because just because you you might start Sanders from a parachute regiment cap badge doesn't give you any right to go back into the mm. parachute regiment. They assess you on what you can deliver there. And um, so I was back f- fighting for, my, for a place uh, in the parachute regiment amongst people who, um, you know, from university graduates and all sorts. Um <clears throat> But so I was lucky to get back into uh, into the parachute, and I, and I went into two bar. And um, at the end of my at the end of my training, and then I went off to do platoon commander's battle course. I was basically flown straight out to Afghanistan, in which I spent the last two months of Operic Eight, and um, <clears throat> that was just, I mean, it was like surreal to to arrive out on the ground in the most warlike situation I've ever been in. And even though I'd been in the army 10 years by the time I'd come through and I'd been to Iraq, I was a veteran of Iraq. <clears throat> this was on a completely different level. And, uh, but uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago when I was speaking to, um, to Mark and to Joe, uh, <clears throat> the biggest conflict I had when I went out to Afghanistan was, was the was getting the balance of me being a very keen person to try and impress my new my new boss, but understanding that the forty men I had under my command had already been out there for four months. Mm. Three three people had been killed on the single patrol to a suicide bomb. One of them being from Sunderland as well. And um and they just wanted to come home. So I had to have the balance of getting the mission done for my, you know, you know, what I was ordered to do. But then obviously, you know, keep keeping the, the, you know, what I didn't want to do, I would get out there and end up unnecessarily um, getting my men killed or Mm. getting them, getting them, getting them wounded. And, you know, unfortunately, in fact, one of the the biggest things I was happy with was, was, was actually at the end of that, albeit short tour, was nobody was, nobody was wounded or, certainly killed um while I was out there so well that's the number one priority you know? absolutely that's the thing that's the be all yeah. and end all of yeah. anything that you do like if, yeah. if if you lose somebody that you feel a bit of a failure for that yeah uh, so the number one priority is always I'm, I'm over the moon you said that like yeah oh, no that, 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 that was it you know if if you know the, I've, I, I have that was my my overall aim mm. you know and uh, uh <coughs> you know my boss at the time, probably didn't have as much sort of sympathy or empathy as I I had, mm. and um, but yeah, that was just. I mean, it was, it was just, it was bizarre because, literally, the within minutes of me putting my feet on the ground, we were getting fight, we were getting shot at, mm. and I was just like, I went all the way through Iraq, and didn't get shot at. We had the odd artillery shell came into us, but nobody actually pointed a weapon at me and pulled the trigger. Mm. People were doing that when I was out in Afghanistan. Not just occasionally, but like every single patrol we were out there, they were shooting at us. And it was just um, <clears throat> such a, a foreign environment to be in. But but coupled with that was um, was also the fact that I remember the, 
the first few patrols I went on in Afghanistan, I was basically just as acting as a private soldier, tag, tagging on to another platoon whilst I got a feel for the ground. But my first time I commanded a platoon out, out there, it was only, only after about 10 days, we came under contact. And for a short period, the, the whole platoon went down in a ditch and just sort of took cover. And everyone looked at me. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, shit, they're, they're waiting for me yeah. to make a decision on what we're going to do. And it was just that split second of like, damn it, these guys, these guys are absolute legends in my mind because they've been out here taking this for months. And he's this new boy, me, just coming out there. And they're, they're, they're waiting for me for direction. So I was just like, okay, well, put put that little ego trip aside. Let's just crack on and do yeah. this. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 something which was was scary at the time, you know. You but you wouldn't you wouldn't admit that. Yeah. And um, and we were actually quite. You could see the boys were hurting because they'd lost three, but they also they also said that we'll do our grieving when we get home. Now is not the time to grieve. But it's just like, when you look back now, I just think, wow, that was such a unique opportunity to to have been to have been in, you know? And, um, and I don't, I, there's nothing on the horizon which which will ever be like that, mm. you know? So where, hopefully never will. Yeah, well, yeah. let's hope, man. Yeah. Where, so where did you go after that? When I got back from um, Afghanistan, it wasn't long before... Um, in fact, was it within within a year? I went to Harrogate as a platoon commander at the Army Foundation College, and um, that was uh, that was an eye opener because I'd, although I'd been in the training the training world before, I'd all, I'd always been training adults, but this was this was being in charge of forty eight children. 16 to sixteen to 17 year olds fresh out, relatively fresh out of school yeah. some of them were just literally finished school join Harrogate you're there yeah. and um, <clears throat> you know and that came with its own its own frictions you know for a lot of times I felt like I wasn't a platoon commander but I was the parental liaison officer because um, when little Johnny was messing around you, you, you would or if he was feeling homesick you'd have his mother on the phone and you would have to be the sort of the middleman yeah. between the parents and and um and that has its, that has its its complete every single junior soldier we had had his own little issues to deal with whether it was like he was trying to cut the 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 purse uh, trying to cut the apron strings from the from the mother who was holding them back he wanted to go off to go to war to go to Afghanistan or he had the one who just basically didn't want to leave home and and he just <laughs> Crying, crying in his bed space every night because he just wanted to go home. Um, and then you had ones who, God, I had a couple of cases where, um, as soon as they started getting pay, their mothers and the fathers were taking the money out of their banks and going and getting pissed on a weekend with it, <laughs> whilst these guys were getting stuck left to left at camp. It's just, it's just complete, complete spectrum of backgrounds, and that was a a huge <clears throat> eye opener, really, to sort of trying to understand each individual. Um, but it was also it was a great job. It was a great, because we had plenty of time um, taking them out on the hills, doing, you know, because uh, we were on the, the sort of the edge of the Yorkshire Dales, which is great. 
We uh, took him over to Normandy for battlefield tours and studies. And just to, and to see them, because they're very impressionable at 16 years old. I joined Expect- when I was 16. Well, as, as, I didn't as, go to Harrods, you know. straight, I was junior leader, went to uh, Winchester. So you'll know that you, you almost become a mini version of your your corporal mm. or, your, or your platoon commander or your platoon sergeant. And just I'm to glad see I, didn't, that, I didn't become a member, uh, uh, a copy of my fucking platoon commander because he murdered his parents. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Yeah, there's a, like a famous, uh, a famous murder thing that uh, he murdered his parents on uh, Jersey. He was wow. called Roderick Newell. Right, and there's right. like documentaries and everything about him. And he used to smoke weed, right, in camp. And uh, he went went back. The, the parents were millionaires, lived on Jersey. Him and his brother, and he fucking murdered them and buried them. And then they caught him <laughs> sealing his yacht around the world. It's like a fucking spy for him, honestly. Jesus, Roderick Neal. So I'll have to look at Google it. There's some really proper good fucking documentaries about it. You know these uh, murder things on yeah, Sky. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, no, um, oh, we we had some we had some scallies though in our platoon though. We had because um, we had some people from the absolute the depths of poverty, and we had. Um, we had, the, we had some from Scotland. But we'll just have, we had this one guy who was, um, you know, like, he must have been, he must have actually recorded about five days in school in in his whole childhood growing up. And uh, one of the one of the activities we got him to do, let's just say his name was McAllister. It's not, um, but say so we had we had to get them all to in the in the first week was to write a letter home to their parents. To say that they they were you know the, the you know the the mail was getting through and they were getting fed and they weren't getting tortured, mm. just to say they're having a good you know I said and we don't want to put words in their mouth but just say look you know just write home so your parents can relax a bit knowing yeah. that you you know you're actually you know you you know this isn't this isn't a Japanese prisoner war camp this is the army, um, and that's and then put put the put your parents' address on it and then put us take this stamp and put the stamp on it and send it off to the. And this guy saying McAllister just wrote, Mr. and Mrs. McAllister, Scotland. <laughs> that was the address. Right. And he just assumed that that was going to get there. <laughs> just imagine some postman getting across the border and like, looking, you know, where this, are you? This yeah. exact same, we spoke about this with another lad I had and it was a junior leader. Um, that's what they used to make us do. On a Sunday, on, for a Sunday, you had to write a letter Monday morning, you have to be on your pillar when you get inspected. So people were just like, I'll, obviously I'll... I'll or like writing letters to me parents, you know what I mean? Didn't matter. Some people were just putting a fucking envelope, right? With nothing in it. So <laughs> whoever's parents that was phone up and says, Why do I keep getting fucking envelopes? Right. <laughs> so from then they made you leave the letter out. But then they would make somebody they'd pick somebody to read their letter out. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you had been a bit soppy, you had to start in front of the whole platoon and read your letter out, brilliant. man. <laughs> Character yeah, building, mate. Absolutely. Character building. Oh, right, mate, I wanna thank you for coming in. Pleasure. It's been really Really, really enjoyable. You're welcome to come back any other time because I mean, I've got to sort of cut your army career down quite a bit, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you're welcome to come back another time. I'd love to come back and I say I can talk more about the other projects, yeah, and yeah social definitely. Media and my, my love for football and Sunderland football. And when we switch this off, I'll sign you up for a doctor and, all, right? and, and a, a dentist, dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and a YouTube person. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks very much. Pleasure. Cheers.
Forget it.